This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. by the Saints for a touchdown! He drew inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all. Who dat? Welcome in. I am Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. And woof. That's the word of the day. Woof. Uh, anyone who watches watching on YouTube, as you can probably tell, I'm in a hotel room. So if the sound is a little meh, I apologize in advance. Let me know in the comments if there are any issues and I'll try to fix them. Obviously, this is not my optimal setup, although I am using my iPhone for this. So uh, the, the, the the actual like picture is probably way better than what you're used to, but the sound is not great. Either way, I stayed out in L.A., so I at least got a full night's sleep, unlike the team who had that miserable flight back and got home at 5 a.m. But we're going to talk about it. Saints, 22 Rams 30, you know, the uh, the quote that comes to mind is they are who we thought they were. And it's not about the opponent. It's about the Saints, right? You know, we've been hearing all year long about how this is an inconsistent team. There's talent. They rarely look prepared for big games. And that was the story of this game. Saints went out to L.A. and got bullied. If you didn't watch the game and just looked at the final score, this is the perfect example of a the score is not indicative of just how much of a beatdown this game was for the new orleans saints and we're gonna keep we're gonna go into this here this is gonna be just a, a two-segment pod steve's not feeling well so we were unable to get him on here so it's just gonna be me i'm gonna give you kind of my takeaways here in the first segment what worked what didn't 
you know, obviously there's a lot of bad in this game, but there are a few things to point to that did work. So as always, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get a little bit of positivity in here, but trust me, that is going to be minimal because this was ugly and there's no way to sugarcoat that this is a, this is a loss that in my opinion, defines this season in a way that we haven't seen yet in a way that, you know, going up to this point, you had a chance to say like, Hey, things went badly. You're dealing with injuries, whatever. There's no excuse for what happened. You know, the funny thing is earlier this season, right in the preseason, when the, when the schedule came out, I predicted this as a 28 to 14 saints loss. And and I got told I was dumb at that point because the Rams were trash last year and everyone was kind of selling the Rams um, but I think, you know, there's, there's a few takeaways from this game. One is that that's a very good Rams team, a much better Rams team than I thought going in. Uh, so, you know, I I'll take the L on that. Like, I did not think that that offense was going to be as impressive as it was even watching them play the last several weeks. It's like, you know what, we'll see. But, you know, I think we saw a team that's like, you saw two, seven and seven teams starting that game. And by the end of it, it was, couldn't be clearer that they're on different planets in terms of how well they're playing right now. And the Rams, you know, Matthew Stafford is legit. Puka Nakua, you know, if you thought that was just a flash in the pan, no, he's legit. Um, so we're going to talk about that in the second segment. We're going to get into a mailbag. So you have comments, questions, whatever, throw them in there and, and we'll get to as many of those as possible. But, you know, first things first, you know, that we talked about this earlier in the season. And so my stock up, stock down column, which is on WWL.com right now, if you want to go check it out and follow along, go ahead. I'm kind of just going to go through that and and kind of hit on the, the the things that stood out to me in this game. And the, but the first one is is not even about this game. It's about this season. And it's a conversation I had with Alvin Kamara earlier this year in that you look at teams that are playing into January. You look at teams that make the playoffs. You look at teams that make noise and have a chance to do something special at the end of the year. And almost without fail, you know, occasionally you'll see a team – sneak into the playoffs without any sustained success throughout the season and kind of middling the whole way and whatever, you know, the Seahawks at 79 come to mind, the commanders a couple of years ago when they uh, squeaked in past the giants because the Eagles kind of, you know, tanked the second half of that week 18 game, you know, like you'll see some teams get there in a majority of instances, you need to string together a couple of wins, more than, more than a couple of wins. You need to string together an actual streak of wins and to do that you have to not only beat the bad teams but you have to show up when the competition improves when the competition takes a step up you have to step up and that's what in this season you have not seen and that is directly reflective on the coaching it's directly reflective on the preparation this was always going to be a difficult road trip thursday night west coast that's about as difficult as you can get for a Saints team for any team having to deal with that on a short week you always knew it was going to be difficult the reason this loss stings as hard as it does is because you were unable to take advantage of any of the opportunities earlier in the season to make this a game that you could afford to lose right this is going to be a season where you do not win more than two consecutive games in the last two seasons you have had one stretch where you have won more than two consecutive games. That was last year, weeks 15, 16, and 17. It was barely enough to get you to a 7-10 and record in the end, right? This is a team that cannot sustain any type of positive momentum. You won the first two games of the season. You go out to Green Bay, there was an injury. It's tough. You You can explain that one away in terms of you lost your starting quarterback. 
either way, that was a prime opportunity to get to three and zero. And right now, you'd be sitting and looking at, okay, well, they still have a chance, right? They don't have to hope for the Jags to go into Tampa without their starting quarterback and knock off the Bucks to keep things alive here, right? You couldn't get it done. Week ten, you win two games, you beat the Colts, you beat the Bears, you go out to Minnesota, and you lay the biggest egg possible. You're down twenty-one points at halftime, right? Fast forward. You win two games in a row. You beat the Panthers. You beat the Giants. You go out to L.A. I'm sorry. I think I said L.A. I meant Minnesota. Uh, you go out to L.A. And what do you do? You do the exact same thing. You cannot get anything going. You look like you were not prepared to play this game. Right? The biggest game of your season. The This is a playoff game. We're going to say that going in. We're going to talk about it. We need to come out with a playoff level intensity and you did not do it the only thing that reflected the the gravity of this game was that you had a head coach who was coaching as if this was an ACC team going up against Alabama those were the type of decisions right when you're talking about fourth and five we gotta go because if we don't outscore this team we're not gonna win well what does that mean what does that mean as a defensive head coach it means that you do not feel like your team is good enough to go toe-to-toe and not make these decisions that if they go badly, we'll be like, what the hell were you doing, right? You're coaching as if you are the significantly worst team in this matchup. And you know why you do that? Because you are. Because you are what your performance says you are. And that is, to me, the most damning thing about this team. It's not the quarterback. It's not whatever you want to say. It is that this team isn't good enough, right? The setup of this team, the structure of this team, how you have chosen to go about the last few years, it's not good enough. You have not put a product on the field that is capable of winning big games. And that's what fans are mad about, right? That That is the most justified reason to say, fire this man into the sun. Because these are the types of games that define you as a head coach, that define you as a team. You have Morton Anderson, Morton freaking Anderson out there tweeting about how you are letting your fans down, right? <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I think it was Fletcher Mackle, maybe it was Sharif Ishak. They tweeted uh, a clip of Jim Mora after the game, which is like, I, I-, I love Jim Mora. Every- <laughs> he's so funny. You know, he's still like, every time he talks, it's just like, you know what? Get this guy. Like, this is the energy I want. I want a guy who's going to go out there and-, and say, you know, we got our ass beat and it's my fault. It is, we did not show up ready. And to me, that's like the biggest stock down thing I can give you is this team. You know, if, if you had, if you were harboring any delusions that this team was anything more than a mediocre team in a bad division, and the entire NFC is seven and seven or six and eight or whatever, and all you have to do is prove that you are competitive in that group to make the playoffs, you were unable to do it. So to me, that's, you know, I, like, we can talk about how they still have a chance, how, you know, the box that you have two division games left. Well, unless you get a gift, it doesn't matter because the Panthers aren't beating the Bucs in week 18. It's either the Jaguars beat the Bucs on Sunday or you're playing just to save face over the final two weeks of the season. And that's gross. In a season you went into knowing that this was probably the easiest path you were ever going to get to the postseason. You know, like the funny thing is, I don't think the NFC South is going to be that much better next season. So you're probably going to have another incredibly easy schedule and we will have the same conversations then. But I don't know what you look at in this game in this season and say, yeah, 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 yeah. They're on the right track. They're they're so close because they're not. They're not close. 
They're not close. And we saw in this game just exactly how not close this team is. Because 30-7 to in the fourth quarter, I don't care. You blocked a punt. You hit a couple nice plays. Juwan Johnson made a nice catch in the end zone. A.T. Perry probably got away with offensive pass interference, whatever. He made a nice catch in the end zone. You're, you've been perfect on two-point conversions this year. It's one of the only things that's gone right. You know, you blocked three punts, but you technically don't have credit for a blocked punt, which is weird. Uh, but, you know, like those, those little things you did well kept you at the point where you could have this desperate comeback to make the final few minutes somewhat interesting. But no, this was not a game that you look at and find any true silver linings from. You got your ass beat in this game, right? And and you should be embarrassed about that. The Saints should be embarrassed about that. The front office should be embarrassed about that. The players should be embarrassed about that. The coaching staff should be, you know, polishing resumes. That's what this type of game is. This is a polish up your resumes type game because I don't see how you can come back with, you know, even if you kept the head coach. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So much of this team has to change. And I just don't see the routes to getting better. And that's just a product of how you've managed this team, how you have allowed the roster to kind of age and not improve in certain positions, how you have missed on so many high draft picks. And even the draft picks you've made, you're benching them, right? You benched. So so this so far this season, you have benched two of your top three picks from the 2022 draft. Think about that. Alante Taylor got benched in this game. And, and you know, while you could argue maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe that's an overreaction, whatever, he was playing terribly. And, and it's a product of, okay, well, well, you put him in the slot. I don't think he's a slot corner, right? He's going to stay in the slot. I asked Dennis Allen today. He's going to stay there. Um, but I think going forward, you need to seriously consider, hey, how do we get this guy on the outside? And I don't know. I don't know how you – the route you take to try to rebuild this team. But, uh, you know, that's what you have to start thinking about now. Like, I – from the front office perspective, I don't think you can look at this and say, well, the story is still being written. No, the story's written. We know the story of this team. We've seen it play out time after time after time after time. And I, I held out longer than most, right? I, I'm, I'm always going to be the eternal optimist in the sense of, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know what's going to happen in these games until I watch what happens in these games. Because there's hundreds of ways this can play out, right? If you convert on that fourth and five, you go down, you go into halftime with a lead, maybe this is a different game. It doesn't matter, but... I think that's the fair approach. You give guys a fighting chance, but when they show you what they are, you have to understand what they are. And so that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this game. Going down the line here, there's two other major things that, that stood out to me in this game. And, you know, the feel-good story this year was Isaac Adam. And I still think Ike has had a great season relative to what your expectations were. I think Paul Santibo has also had a great season, but, I think this was the first game that you went into and you were like, man, not having Marshawn Lattimore is a serious, serious disadvantage because this was the first team, you know, like that, that's one thing that, you know, we can talk about the Saints in this game. Another element of this game, and I've said it already, is the Rams are a very good team. And the fact that they're seven and seven is probably misleading in that sense. But man, the, the secondary that has played pretty well all season and probably above their weight class 
they got punked. Puka Nakua, you know, I asked Ike Adam after the game, what makes him so difficult to cover? And it's like, he's just strong. He's just a strong dude. He, he battles you and he beats you. And you saw that, like, the, the, the play that iced the game <laughs> was a perfect example of that. They got, gave the ball to Puka on an end around. Paulson Adebo shoots it, gets a clean hit on him, and he just bounces right off. This is a wide receiver. This isn't Christian McCaffrey. This isn't Saquon Barkley. This is Puka Nakua. And he just bounced off, fought forward, got the first down in a moment where it's like, hey, you've got a chance to get the ball back and do something pretty insane, which would be coming back from a, what, 23-point deficit with six minutes to go. And so, yeah, I mean, like that, I was wondering, you know, because I, I haven't had a ton of chances to watch Puka play live. Man, that dude is as good as advertised. And the funny thing is, you know, Cooper Cup wasn't good in this game. It was Demarcus Robinson was the, was the guy you couldn't cover. Puk, Cooper Cup was actually – you know, there were several chances for them to convert on third down in the red zone, and he wasn't able to make the play. It's like you would think going in, like, man, if Cooper's not the one who beats us, we feel pretty good about it. Well, no, not when you allow 164 yards and a touchdown, 240-something yards combined between Puka and Demarcus Robinson, a guy I wasn't even – I wasn't even on my radar going into this game, really, in terms of, like, yeah, that guy's going to dominate. Kyron Williams, you know – another guy who I think going in, everyone's like, Oh, is Kyron really that good? Well, I think, you know, we got the, we got the answer, but it's also just this defense got punked at every level. They didn't get pressure. They weren't able to get Matt Stafford to the ground a couple times. And Matt made some pretty incredible throws. Let's be real. Like Matt Stafford is playing at an incredibly high level. Um, but this defense is supposed to be a strength of the team. And it's just not right now. Um, it's not good enough to, to make a difference in this game. And that coverage between, uh, I think I think Paulson played reasonably well in this game. And Paulson, as your CB1, is probably not necessarily at an elite level. But Paulson, I don't think he's the reason you lost this game. Uh, I think it's, you know, Alante Taylor, Ike Adam were not good enough in their roles. And, you know, I, I you can make the argument that it should be Alante on the outside. But, again, Ike's played well. It's like you can't you, – you can't, it's easy to go back in hindsight and say, yeah, they should have gone with Alante instead of Ike but Ike's been delivering for you so I don't fault them for going with him in this game but I think it's like yeah when you talk about man what is missing Marshawn Lattimore how has that impacted your chances to win in this game I think it had a significant impact on your chances to win one other element that just did not did not do anything today and and honestly has been a pretty major story of this season is the run blocking ah bad bad you can't you can't pass protect and you can't run block what are you as an offensive line, right? You didn't have Ryan Ramchek, Landon Young. Again, it's like, you know, I think it's just like the, the more you expose a, a backup offensive lineman, the, the, the more difficult it's going to be. And, you know, we didn't see him have a particularly good game. We didn't see the, any, any push in the run game, right? And you knew Aaron Donald was going to be a problem. And you get one-dimensional, you average 2.2 yards a carry, you don't have a chance. Um, you know, the play action worked early. I don't think it worked late. Just not good. And, and the, you know, the, I don't know if you blame it on the running backs. I don't know if you blame it on the, the, the scheme, you know, you, you just weren't able to get anything done in the run game. And, you know, people were complaining that Taysom didn't get enough reps. Well, when Taysom did get in the game, he got just rocked, right? What, you know, you look at that and say, yeah, you should keep hammering Taysom. But in this game, that, that was not working. You know, I think he had, he had one that was like a first down carry, maybe second down carry, he got one for negative three yards. Like they were getting him in the backfield. I don't know how healthy Taysom is, but I don't think he was the answer in this game because you couldn't find an answer in the run game, and that's very disappointing. Um, you know, we can 
we can go through, you know, Derek Carr, every game the Saints don't play well, you're going to blame the quarterback. He, I wouldn't say he had a great game, but I think this game was more about the offensive line because here's the thing, Derek Carr, at this point in the season, we know what Derek Carr is. And I think that's where it's frustrating is, you know, you look at a Matthew Stafford and you say, well, that's what we we thought we were getting is is a guy who just makes you miserable on defense and always makes the right reads and can make all these throws. He's not going to scramble, but he can get it done from the pocket and he can make he can elevate your offense. And what you have in Derek Carr is a. I would say an average quarterback, like an average to slightly above average quarterback who is a, is a, just a high level game manager. He's not a player who's going to extend plays in a league where all of the elite quarterbacks can extend plays in a league where you have a lot of quarterbacks who can make up for deficiencies on their offenses. And you don't have that in Derek Carr. And, and again, like the reason I don't think he played poorly is because this is what what Derek Carr is, right? It's like you you can continue to look at Derek Carr and say, I need you to be better than you are. But in reality, the issue is the pieces around Derek Carr are not good enough for a game manager quarterback to manage the game because that's what Derek Carr is. Like, let's be real. You know, you overpaid for a game manager. You can win with Derek Carr. You need the pieces around him to be perfect and the pieces around him are never going to be perfect. And that's why it feels hopeless because you don't have the offensive line, right? You've spent the first round pick on the left tackle and he's not even your backup. Ryan Ramchek, you invested all this money and he's got a knee that has me seriously concerned. So that's not going to get the job done. Alvin Kamara is 28. He's not getting any younger. Jamal Williams has not been a factor. Kendra Miller has not been a factor. The, 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 the wide receivers are the only saving grace of this team of this offense at least. And if you can't keep your quarterback clean in the pocket, he can't get them the ball. So that's not going to work, right? It's just a, it's just not a setup that is conducive to a quarterback who can't move. Right. And so the, you know, the interception was bad. You know, I think he got his arm hit. It was a, it was a bad decision to try to loft that ball over either way. It's like, that's just a bad interception. You can't make right there. But it's like, okay, you're trying to make a play. I understand it. You know, like Chris Olave, um, you know, there was a couple bad drops. I thought he, you know, when you consider what he's playing through, you know, I thought he played really well. The drops are tough, but what what do you do? You know, like not, not, no, no receiver is going to make every catch. I think he had nine catches for 130 yards in this game, not including the two-point conversion, which doesn't technically count as a catch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's the frustrating part is you have hitched your wagon to a quarterback who – in a perfect situation, I think could get the job done. This is not a perfect situation and it will not be a perfect situation. And because of that, you are going to continue to struggle. You are going to continue to see these long stretches of ineffective play, particularly when you go up against a defensive line that harasses you, that is going to get pressure, that is not reliant on blitzes to get to you. That's where the Saints have struggled. It hasn't been about the blitzes. It's been about picking up a front four, right? Because when Jamal Williams gets beat, he's not got – there's nothing there. You are not making a guy miss. Um, but, yeah, and and so, like, that's – I think I've, I've kind of said my piece here. Um, you can't run the ball. You can't block. You can't pressure the quarterback. 
you know, you, you can't force turnovers, you know, your quarterback can't extend plays. And, and this is what you have is an average team who plays poorly on big stages and does not have a quarterback that would be considered among those who can elevate you into a, a better offense than you are. And it's, it's frustrating. And I don't, the, 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 the real, the truly demoralizing part of it is you just don't know, the, the, there's just no clear path to getting through it, right? There's no obvious, there's no obvious route to take where you could say, this is where you get better and you're going to go from there. But all right, let's, uh, let's hit the break. We'll come back. We'll do the mailbag. I'm sure there are plenty of comments in there talking about me falling down off, off camera, but with my mic on to, uh, to make sure y'all got that sound. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go get an ice pack and we'll be uh, right back here on Inside Black and Gold. 